I didn't want to tell myself that just because I didn't want to psych myself out, but it was definitely in the back of my mind of just like, I think I can podium and I want to do this. And so, you know, I talked a lot of strategy leading into the race. Uh, well, I mean, you know, before that, I guess signing up for Sea Otter kind of like scared me a little bit because I'm like, oh, I just did this 70 mile race and then I'm going to do my A race the next weekend. Um, but I mean, when I got back, I just focused straight on the whiskey and I talked a lot about strategy of where I want to be and when I want to be there. Um, and for me, starting races is always kind of intimidating because, you know, I'm on the I'm on the start line with these women who have been to the Olympics and go to World Cup races. And and so I tend to shy back. And so my goal was to not shy back. That was Aaron Osborne. Welcome to another episode of the Stoke Podcast. We are back. In today's episode, we have Aaron Osborne, a local Arizona badass, who we've been trying to plan to get her on the podcast for the last, oh, I don't know, three weeks or so. Uh, She just kind of did the same race series um, that I just kind of went through. She, I think, I didn't do Vail, but she went to Vail, and then she competed at Sea Otter, and then she competed at the whiskey 50 and she kind of came into the whiskey as kind of training for the whiskey for her a race and she took fifth overall against some of the best women in the world and so i'm so glad we got aaron on the podcast after this awesome result at the whiskey 50 um so we really dive into into that and you know, when any cyclist kind of takes a top five at one of these big races, it kind of changes their whole trajectory and thought processes on kind of the pursuit of cycling, you know? And so Erin, um, still hasn't changed her mindset on cycling. Um, she wants to be first an amazing tutor for children. Uh, and then, and then she loves to just race her bike. Um, so as of right now, nothing's completely changed for Aaron in, in regards of maybe pursuing this on a deeper level. Um, but you can kind of come up with that when you listen to the podcast, but we go into that and also not only the mindset of career path, but also we did talk about the mindset change that goes into taking a top five as if, you know, all this training and preparation for these races, um, can all go to shit once you line up against some of the best in the world and you can't perform and get through this mental block of competing at the level you know you can compete at. And, you know, we really dive into Aaron's process through this of really diving into this healthy mindset of I belong here, I'm going to race my race, and it got her a top five at the Whiskey 50. And so I'm super excited to introduce Aaron Osborne for this episode and episode 22 guys we've been doing this for seven months now and i just want to thank all of you for the support um and for just tuning in and listening you know and uh as you know it's it's uh it's a sacrifice to put out these episodes but i mean it's so much fun this is my passion i love it um and i just want to thank you guys but before we dive into it a little shout out to the sponsors we got Moxie Nutrition, who is a big supporter of the show and a big supporter of my training. I say this every time, you guys, um, but Moxie Nutrition is my go-to when it comes to my everyday supplement. It's called Hydramag. Um, this is like a pomegranate-loving taste bud explosion of magnesium makes you feel good when you wake up in the morning makes you sleep well if you take it before bed Um, and it makes it helps you perform on those big training days big race days and this is a non-negotiable in my routine now when i'm on the bike moxie nutrition has something called phytolite now phytolite is an electrolyte that has phytonutrients and now this is something that kind of goes 
under the radar, right? We see all these big brands kind of creating these major carb drinks with a bunch of sugar and a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, in quotes, fuel. But Teresa, the, the, the founder of Moxie Nutrition, says, no, we need something that's real, something that your body utilizes right away. And she uses amazing ingredients. And Phytolite is my go-to on the bike. I do three scoops of this in a bottle. And I also top it off with another product Moxie Nutrition has, which is called Osmocarb. Now, this is a non-taste powder that's a carbohydrate that you can add to any drink. It doesn't even have to be Moxie Nutrition. You can add it to a Gatorade. You can add it to... um, whatever products you're using, but this is just going to help the body take in that needed calories on those long rides. And if you're curious, head over to moxielife.com slash stokepodcast. Now at checkout, all caps, stokepodcast, and earn 15% off on your next order. And let's get into it. This episode is so fun. Aaron is a type that she's just a rare breed. Um, she's badass. She is conquering the world of cycling and I'm so excited to see where she goes in the next year. Um, but help me welcome Aaron Osborne. All right, welcome to the Stoke Podcast. We got Aaron Osborne on the podcast today. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we were supposed to get on a podcast um a while back. You know, I've you know we've been in conversation, and then uh, you took fifth overall in the whiskey. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're gonna get in contact after the Vale Lake uh, race. But then, you know, I was training for the whiskey and then I got, I don't know, then I was like, last minute, I was like, let me do Grand Junction Riding Vibes. Um, And because, I mean, at the result of the whiskey, it was pretty incredible to get fifth place at such a high, I don't know, high watched event, you know. Um, And then it was also neat to like be racing against the woman I was racing. And I don't know, people just out on course cheering your name and all that. So it was really neat. Yeah, because. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, you live in Prescott. Like those are your home trails. Yeah, as of August, and then you know I didn't get to ride them as much as I was hoping to, because as everyone knows, this winter has been crazy everywhere. Yeah. Um. So like I think maybe the trails dried out. I don't know two like three weeks before the whiskey, and even then there were still snow patches everywhere. But I mean, I made sure to like ride them as much as I could. Um, especially that 260 descent. That one was, that's always pretty gnarly if you guys don't know about that. Um, <laughs> and then the new section they added was uh, West Spruce. And that one is like pretty, I wouldn't say gnarly, but it's just steep and loose and just, I don't know, you got to buckle up and just hang on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Cause that was a whole unexpected part of the trail that I've really never ridden because it's new. Um, isn't it right after Skull Valley? Yeah. So yeah. you climb the whole Skull Valley climb, you just wrecked, and then you just go down this new section of, you got to climb a little bit, and then you got to descend. Um, and then you do another, I think it's trail 738. I don't know. Prescott has a lot of numbers for trails, yeah. but 738. And then that's just more, you know, just a lot more single track than I think everyone was used to this year. Yeah. Um, and so having to dial all of that in right after being fatigued, you know, I think we're what, two, two and a half hours in at that time, by the time you hit that single track section. So, um, it's pretty intense. <laughs> it is. It was super intense. And the weekend before you also raced sea otter. Yes. Right? That's what it was. That's what I was missing too. Well, yeah. Sea otter. Sea otter. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was kind of a crazy three weeks, you know, I've, that's the most racing I've ever done in, in a row. Um, you know, I just went from one race, you know, driving, we drove, I drove with a friend from, from Prescott to Sea Otter, which is almost 12 hours. So, you know, 12 hours in the car, one way race, a massive race, and then 12 hours back. And then, you know, trying to recover to do your A, my A race was the whiskey, you know, so, sweet. um, 
yeah. So trying to recover in, in time for that. And so it's pretty hectic, but all fun, all fun stuff. It is. Yeah. That's why we do it. But, um, so what was kind of your goal coming into the whiskey? You know, you said it was your a race was, was your state of mind? Like I want to stand on the podium or just, I want to PR and I just want to do the best I can. Yeah. You know, that's a tricky question. I think I've gone back and forth on what my goal was, you know, like I think at the beginning of the season, my goal was to, to PR cause last year I raced it and I was sick. And so I was like, you know, I just want to see what I can, what I can do. And then, um, looking at the women who signed up, I was like, you know, I think I have a chance to podium. Um, and so I didn't want to tell myself that just cause I didn't want to psych myself out, but it was definitely in the back of my mind of just like, I think I can podium and I want to do this. And so, you know, I talked a lot of strategy leading into the race. Uh, well, I mean, you know, before that, I guess signing up for sea otter kind of like scared me a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh, I just did the 70 mile race. And then I'm going to do my a race the next weekend. Um, but I mean, when I got back, I just focused straight on the whiskey and I talked a lot about strategy of where I want to be and when I want to be there. Um, and for me, starting races is always kind of intimidating because you know I'm on the I'm on the start line with these women who have been to the Olympics and go to World Cup races and and so I tend to shy back and so my goal was to not shy back to enter that single track with those lead women and that's exactly what I did and I think being able to do that set me up for the entire race so you know they for anyone who doesn't know you climb it's a neutral rollout until the dirt road and then as soon as we hit the dirt road, that pace just picked right up and I was able to hang with them. And then we got to a certain section. I picked up the pace because I wanted to separate the gap a little more between, I don't know, I would say like, I knew like Alexis and Sophia and Haley and Deanna and all these women were going to be able to go with me, but I wanted to kind of separate a little bit more from the other people that were hanging with us. So that way, when I entered that single track, I was right where I wanted to be. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I um, entered it, I think, let's see, it was Alexis, Haley, Sophia, and then Hannah, and then me who entered that single track. And um, and it was great. You know, we, we entered it and then Haley was kind of letting a little gap happen between her and Alexis. And so then all three of us, when we got a chance, we all passed her. And then it was great because it left me a clean run for the trail 48 climb, which mm -hmm. is key because it's easy to mess up. And if you're on someone's wheel and they mess up, you're going to mess up and getting back on the bike is not easy. Um, and so I was able to clean trail 48 and then definitely wanted to have a gap before that 260 descent just because I knew it was going to be a tricky one for me personally. Because mm -hmm. um, some of these women, they, they're really, really, I got caught on the 260 descent. Um, but I was able to have a big enough gap from everyone else not to get recaught, I guess. So, yeah. And so what were your, emo cause when you're riding with these women at the caliber, cause I'm kind of in the same boat as you, you kind of go to the start line and really you're just with these people that like almost deserve to be there, right? Like they're the pros and they're the Olympians and they race at the USA cycling nationals and win it. And, you know, it's like, it's a bunch of emotions. And so what was it like kind of coming into like right at the 260 descent is kind of when you can realize, okay, I'm actually in it, you know, cause I think it's so chaotic at the first start and then getting on single track. Like, what was it kind of like coming into that first, you know, that first descent, um, emotionally? You know, I think emotionally, I felt it more after that first descent, like the first descent, I was just like, you know, just focused on getting down, getting back up. And then it wasn't until we dropped all the way down Skull Valley and um, and then came back up that, you know, they're at the bottle feed zone, two women kind of fumbled their feed and we created ha uh, Haley Smith and I created a gap. And then I was like, I was trading pools with Haley Smith. And yeah. that's when I was like, holy shit, I'm doing this. Like, I'm actually doing this. And then all of a sudden I rode away from her and I was just like, cool. And like, it was just like nothing but like, just pure joy. Like, and I just, I felt good. I felt strong. And I was like, all right, now I just have to, to keep her away. And, you know, as I'm climbing, I can see Hannah Otto in my sights. And so like, for me, emotionally, it was more like, this is so freaking cool. Like, and as like you were saying, yeah, those women deserve to be there, but so do I, you know? And that's yeah. like, 
for that I think that was like one of the first times I was like I deserve to be here you know like this is where I'm meant to be right now um and so like it was just more of like an exciting feel you know that's what was the coolest part and I and I felt that way all the way pretty much the entire race you know Hannah ended up getting more like she got a bigger gap on me towards the like in the single track and then um, I was just like, all right, I just got to hang on. Cause as you know, that race was very hot. And so at one point I was like, I may die. I need water. Like I definitely hit a little wall. Um, and then Haley Smith caught back up to me on that last climb up piglet. And then I was like, oh man, I'm done for, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, um, I blew a corner. So she came around me and then she blew a corner. And so then I came around her which was not the best move because then we go into, into downtown. Right. And so we get onto the pavement and she just has me pull her the entire way. And I'm just in my head, like, I don't know, I, this is going to be a sprint finish. I'm going to have to sprint finish with Haley Smith right now. Like, holy crap. Like, what am I like, you know, so I'm trying to preserve my energy because I'm pulling. So she's resting behind me the entire time. And then like, you, you didn't even take a pull? Like, you didn't even get behind her wheel? No. It was all you? Yeah, the entire... So once you get off the single track onto the pavement, yeah. I pulled her the entire way back into town. No. Like, no matter what I did, like, I was, like, trying to slow down. I tried to scoot to the side. You know, like, she, I clearly wanted her to come around me, but she's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, why would she? Um, and then, like, I have... I was, like, stretching out my back at one, like, once, and then, like, I got back on it. And then right as we turned into the uh, neighborhood, you know how it was like kind of a descent into the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. um, I stretched out my back one last time and she came around me. And I was like, oh no. And so like, I just like laid on the hammer and I was just like, and then she like opened up a little gap and then all of a sudden I overtook her. And I was like, what the heck? So like I crossed the, so like I beat her in that sprint and I was just like, I was just like, I don't know. I was just like, I threw my bike down pretty much. And I was like, I just freaking did that. Like my yeah. family, um, my cousin was in town. And so she came running over and was like screaming. She's like, that was so cool. And TJ was at the finish line. So like, so like, I don't know when you talk about emotion, it was like, just, I was, I was, I meant, it was meant to be there, you know, like I deserved to be there. And that was like super cool for the first time I felt that, you know? Um, and that was just a lot of fun. That's, yeah, I, I remember you coming in, like, because I'm drained, you know, I got my family there. And then the first uh, three girls come in, I'm like, oh, okay, like the girls are starting to come in. And then you show up, like, right. <laughs> in, in, and then Haley, you know, because then, because I know these girls, I'm like, what the hell? It's like <laughs> the coolest thing to see, you know, in Arizona, like local just come in top five at the whiskey. I mean, it was for I'm just sure not only myself but every person in Flagstaff or Prescott or Cottonwood you know who knows you as a friend is just I mean you know you know you like you're a mentor to a bunch of girls who are pursuing the sport and just it's so cool that you know you you deserve to be there 100 percent yeah um, and I think it took me by surprise and took a lot of people by surprise but it it was a cool surprise you know like yeah sweet. and I don't think it did catch a lot of people by surprise like you said you know I think there's a mental block I there must like you know even with me it's like there's a mental block um if I'm racing MBAA for some reason I'm I'm just so fast because I'm like okay I deserve this I know I deserve to be here right like mm -hmm. I'm you know uh big fish in a small pond. And then when you're a small fish in a big pond, all of a sudden, like <laughs> mentally, you don't, you don't think you deserve to be there. Cause I have the same feelings. Like I just, when I hit the start line, for some reason, I just bonk out like at mile 25, which I never do, you know, but for some reason there's this mental block. And I think it's so cool that you now know there's no mental block anymore, or, you know, at least, at least for that race, it was a really cool clarity of like, you actually, you have the power, you have the fitness you have the handling to be with these girls and to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I mean, and I don't know if that mental block, I mean, it's talked about a little bit, but not a lot. Like I'm sure a lot of people experience this um, and we just don't ever really talk about it. It's like, we're too shy to talk about it, too embarrassed or something, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's there and it's a real thing. And it's like, how do you overcome it? And, 
you know, I think it's just takes a lot of having a lot of people in your court of just like kind of reassuring you like, no, you're, you're good. You got it. You can do it. Like, this is where you belong. And, um, and then I think that helps a ton, you know, and it's, and honestly has to come within you as well. Like, you know, I visualized it a lot too. You know, I just visualized doing well and owning my starts and, you know, jumping in the single track, like rather than like, sometimes I would think like, oh, well, if I get into the single track first, I'm just going to slow them down. You know, now I'm like, if I get into the single track first, that sucks for them. Like they should have been faster. You know, like yeah. I, I got there, I beat them there and that's racing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. And I think, um, I, I was kind of battling the same things coming into whiskey, like sitting and meditating on trust your body like trust your fitness. This is, this is what you train for. You, you do deserve to be here. Ride like you ride rather than timid, you know, cause I always just end up riding timid. Like sea otter for me was devastating. It was brutal. You know, like the first lap I, I came in hot and I was behind like these guys where I was like, there's no way I should be right here. You know, yeah. like just telling myself, there's no way I should be right here. I must be going too fast. I must be going out of my comfort zone. Sure enough my body listened and shut down, you know, it's like, I think we just tell ourselves that we're not good enough or we can't, we can't exceed to that level. Um, but really you, we can't cause we are, we're there or you're there, you know? And so I, yeah, we, it, it's not talked about. And I think it's a big part of, um, kind of taking that leap and you've made a lot of sacrifices to kind of pursue this on more of a career level. Um, I kind of want to get into that, like, cause it might, it might've, felt really good to actually understand you do deserve to be here after the whiskey. Um, cause weren't you a full-time teacher? Yeah. So before, I mean, I guess for the last seven years, I was a full-time middle school math teacher. Um, and so, you know, training to do anything was tricky, you know, like I'm, I'm giving all of my effort, all of my energy into teaching. And then I go and I'm like, I have to jump on the bike and do like a two hour ride or like intervals or what my, what I would do is I would always wake up early and do it. Like, so I would wake up at like four 30 in the morning, do, you know, these insane intervals and then go and teach, you know, 150 kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that, like the last, I guess, year and a half, I was tutoring on the side too. So I would, you know, wake up and I would teach, you know, from seven to three 30. And then I would tutor from four to sometimes eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, and so it was very full days. So I, I don't like, but it's neat. Cause that allowed me, because I did that last year, it allowed me to set up a tutoring business this year. And so I knew the ropes, I knew how everything worked. And so it allowed me to, to stop teaching and or take a break from teaching and focus on tutoring, which allows me to still have like a nice income, um, but also time to train and more importantly, rest. Yeah. Um, and and so that's that's been kind of what happened was I just COVID hit and I was like, I'm going to tutor. And then I started and I love tutoring. And then now I made it my own thing. And um, I I started my business called Tandem Tutoring because, um, you know, we're, we're moving forward together. It's like that's kind sweet. of my... Yeah, it's kind of my thing. And it brings in biking with it too. Um, and so it's it's great to be able to build my own schedule, take the time off to go to these races um, or, you know, work from wherever I'm at. Because a lot of some of these kids I meet, meet online um, or if I meet on person, like they're willing to meet online every once in a while with me, which is pretty great and very flexible. Um, something I've never been able to do before. Uh, like, and like I said, I think it allows me to rest more than anything. Um, yeah, I've been able to increase my riding hours, but I'm also like, I can go home and I could just like sit down and put my feet up and not have to go run from the next thing to the next to the next. Because mm -hmm. I think with when, when it comes to training, especially in competing at this level, like rest is more important than, you know, training sometimes <laughs> or just as important, I guess. But, yeah. Um. And was there any intention with kind of cycling in the background when you made the decision to tutor? Um, you know, it, I mean, it is always nice to make your own hours and to pursue your own passions, 
but was there any like incentives to allow yourself to rest, train more and to kind of pursue racing a little bit more? You know, that was in the back of my head, but Mm -hmm. like, it's not why I decided to tutor only, you know, like I've, of course, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can tutor. And then, Oh, I could just train all the time too. But that really wasn't why I did it. I think personally teaching is, is a lot. And, um, it's just with after COVID, the kids changed quite a bit. And I just had a really rough year. The last, my last year of teaching, just cause like the, the kids would just challenge you and just be so incredibly rude. And like, I'm just trying to do my, I'm just trying to teach you here guys. Like, I'm just trying to do my job. Like you don't need to, to yell at me or to, you know, walk out of my classroom, talk over me. And, you know, I would, email home to parents and they would just be, they'd be like, Oh, well we've done everything we can at home. I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what? Okay. So, but with tutoring, like I was working with kids and parents who cared, you know, Mm -hmm. like they cared about their grades. They were respectful. They were polite. They were excited to meet with me. They would, you know, and, and so I was like, I think I just, I need a break and I just want to tutor. I want to work with the kids that, that truly care And, you know, when you get these great stories of just like the other day, I'm working with this girl and she's like, you know, math is actually a lot of fun when you understand. I was like, yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, and they're, they're, these kids are, you know, I met with them, I don't know, maybe in January when I first started meeting with them and they were getting 30% on their tests, all classes, every single class. And then now they're getting like, she just got an 87 on her like mock final. And, and then she's also getting like hundred percent in her other classes. So it's like, you know, when I, when I tutor, I feel like I want to teach the kid that all they have to do is be confident, you know, back to what we're saying, even with cycling, you know, own your, like be confident in where you are. And, you know, same thing with, with math and with school, you know, a lot of the times the students just lose their confidence. And I feel like my job as a tutor is more to teach them that, you know, take risks. It's okay. It's okay if you're wrong. It's okay if you don't understand. Let's work through it together. And then they slowly start getting that confidence. And then, you know, it translates into all of their everything. Like, you know, like I said, this one girl, she hired me for math, but um, or her parents had me for math, but now she's getting, you know, higher grades in every single class. And so... And, you know, and I don't even really, I mean, sometimes she'll be like, you want to help me in linguistics? And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> Can I Google something? Because, <laughs> you know, but just having someone there that believes in them is is all they need. Um, and so it's it's neat that, you know, and then it's neat that I could also ride my bike. And the yeah. parents are like, they're really, they're like, oh, how'd you do in your race this weekend? And and stuff like that. So then the parents kind of care and they're all, they're excited and stuff like that too. So it's just, it's all like fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And when I was in school, I'd never had, comp- I, it was so hard for me to like sit down and be confident in class and, mm-hmm. and to, it wasn't that I wasn't smart. It was just you know, I would just tell myself, oh, there's no way you're going to understand that. You know, that's, and it's cool. I wish I had a tutor like you or a tutor that cared and wanted to actually help me learn how to be confident in class. Cause I was always thinking, cause I was in like, um, I had, a, I struggled with reading. So I was like in the special reading classes, you know, and, and, you know, some teachers would just only teach me the thing, how to, you know, like they'd only teach me what's on paper. There was never like this philosophy of, ah, let's, let's take risks. And have you ever thought about doing this, you know, like changing my perspective on it? Cause yeah, it was so difficult. So it's really cool to hear that, you know, there's people out there that actually care and want to see students succeed. Cause it was almost as if like through my whole childhood, it was just like giving up, you know, like, Mm -hmm. ah, you're a C student a C and B student, you know, and it wasn't until I was in college and there wasn't any pressure from parents or teachers or anything like that. It was kind of this independent, you know, you're, you're an independent adult. And I started understanding everything and I got great grades. It was just like this whole shift of mindset of like, no, you, you just don't understand it to, oh, maybe I'm just not thinking about it this way. Yeah. You it's know? like, you don't understand it my way. So you must not get it, but it's like, yeah. 
No, like there's multiple ways to learn things, you know, and, and I think I was a student like you, you know, I was always really, sh I mean, I am kind of still a shy person, but like, I was always really shy and not confident in school, which I think helps me relate to these students a little bit better. Like, I get it. It's scary. But just having someone who is like that one person, like you said, can make a big difference. Or you're not having that pressure like, oh, you're right. It doesn't have to be perfect or understand yeah. it in your way or Mm -hmm. anything like that so yeah I was such a, a student it was like ADHD you know like <clears throat> I might have been in class but I was thinking about like oh practice after school or like what I'm going to do with my friends like recess is like 10 minutes away like yeah. that's that was me as a kid it was just like it wasn't that I wasn't smart and I couldn't do the homework or anything like that it was just like I think I just was like well it's so much more fun to like play with my friends, and, you know? So <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. It's cool that you're like actually doing something that's purposeful and um, it wasn't, it wasn't driven by, you know, uh, <clears throat> not selfish, but um, I want to be a professional athlete. So I'm going to be a tutor. It's more yeah. of like, I decided to be a tutor that allows me to like pursue my hobbies, you know, more deeply. So it's awesome. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. I, it allows me just to have, I don't know, more time, more, even more time to be with my family and friends and all, all of the above, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, so all these extra bonuses and then it's like, oh, cool. And I could pursue like a, a dream of mine that I've always never thought was going to happen, but cool. Now I'm here. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so shifting, like uh, what, what does your schedule look like for, um, you know, 2023, has it changed in any way or, um, kind of how, how is your perspective on your own racing kind of changed racing and training or just like kind of in general, you know, like you, you took fifth at whiskey, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's huge. So like, how does, how does your ch schedule change? Have you gotten, you know, opportunities that you never thought you would have um, you know, I think right now it hasn't changed too much other than adding Grand Junction. I was like, well, I might as well try to go do well at Grand Junction too. Um, and then I feel like that's kind of how this 2023 season has been for me. I've been adding like races just last minute because mm -hmm. I've just never, I don't know, I guess everyone's like, well, what, do you, what races do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm just like, I don't know yet. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm so new. I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted, but I do know that so far I don't, I'm not a fan of like the big long races. So I'm, I'm happy that I didn't apply for the lifetime series just cause those are just seem a lot for me yeah. um, and all the traveling. Um, but like, I guess moving forward, the next race I'll be doing will be Missoula. Um, it's one of the UCI events. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because there's four days of racing that I can do. And so they have, I believe it's three XCOs and then one short track. So that nice. would be a lot of fun and just a lot of start practice, a lot of um, just a lot of experience. Yeah. And then from there, I'm, I haven't, I'm debating of going, there's one in Canada right after that, another UCI race. And then after that, like these are three weekends in a row, it would be the Soldier Hollow race, UCI race that also got, it got rescheduled because of the crazy snow that Utah got this winter. Um, and then Nationals, and then I'll do Shawamigan again. Shawamigan is in Wisconsin. It's it's cool because it's one of, I it's TJ's, it. yeah, it's TJ's hometown race. And so it's, it's really fun because like we go, it's, so he's from Spooner, Wisconsin, and this race is in Hayward and Hayward's maybe 30 minutes or something like that away. And so he's done this race since he was, I don't know, 12 or 14 or something like that. And so it's something that we just go back and do. And, and I'm, I have it, I have a really redemption ride for that one because last year when I did it, um, my back hurt so bad. I couldn't even, I could barely even finish. Like, I don't know what happened. I was like hanging strong with this lead pack. And then all of a sudden my back just like seized up. And so I'm, I really want to go back to that one. Cause I've been working hard with, um, a PT and a chiropractor, you know, everyone has issues, but, um, you know, it's all about how you, how you work with them and, and to overcome these, these issues. And so that's what I've been doing, focusing on this year. 
And then after that will be Iceman. So I kind of have a packed schedule coming up. I think August is a little free, August and October. And then other than that, it's like kind of like bam, 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 a lot of travel, a lot of races. Um, and tutoring will slow down a little bit in the summer just because mm -hmm. naturally um, I'll have a couple kids I'll still tutor, but not many. So it would be nice to be able to get some big traveling in during the, during that time. Sweet. So yeah, you're really focusing on like XCO style then. Yeah. I think what I've decided anything this year is that I really like the XCO stuff and I really like, um, the, what is it? The single track series stuff. Like mm -hmm. I enjoyed Grand Junction. I, I mean, I know whiskey's not part of that single track series, but whiskey is a similar style to that single track series. So I think next year it'd be really cool to focus on the UCI XCO stuff and, and that single track series. Um, I think that would be my, those are my goals for 2024 at least. And right yeah. now for 2023, it's just kind of finishing out and focusing on what I already have on that schedule. Yeah. So. Um. So how was Grand Junction? Oh, oh man. So that was, speaking of getting in your head, like that was one I was in my head about from the start, which it doesn't make any sense. I just got off this amazing race and then now I'm in my head again. But it was more like, oh, man, I've done three or two really hard weekends. I don't know if my body can do this. Um, but it ended up being fine. Like we did, they do a, a fat tire crit as well. As, um, and that was cool. Like for the first time, like it, it's it's a flat crit. So it's not like you're climbing Union Hill in Prescott. And so I was able, Alexis started just freaking took off. And I was like, well, there goes the race. But she ended up coming back to the group, which was cool. And so the entire race, I was with the main group for that short or for the fat tire crit, which was, I wasn't even finishing in them when I was doing it in 2019 before COVID. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I won a preem lap, which was fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was like, sweet. I was like, it was like the last preem lap. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And so I went for it and I won it. I was like, cool. That was fun. Nice. Um, and then, so my legs felt really good after that after that fat tire crit, I was like, okay, I can do this. So it, the difference with this race is that it's the, uh, fat tire crit Friday at seven. And then the start of the backcountry Saturday at seven 30. So oh. no time to rest, no time to recover. It's just, you go, 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 go. So, um, you know, but it was like, I felt pretty good. I entered that. It's a lot more technical too. I don't know if you've ever ridden in Grand no. Junction. Oh man, it's like I've ridden, yeah, I've ridden Grand Junction, but I've never ridden that that race. And it Grand Junction is like Sedona, super slow. You can't. Okay, average I was just more. gonna say, really? like, it was like riding forty miles as hard as you could in Sedona with a Skull Valley climb in the middle of it, like because <laughs> they have a they have a climb similar. It's called the Windmill Climb, so it's like an hour hour and a half. I don't I didn't check exactly how long it took, but it's a long climb in the middle of the race. So you do a bunch of techie single track climbing, some descending, you do this big freaking dirt road climb, and then you drop into the last little bit of single track, more single track to the finish. So it was just like my, my body was wrecked, but I don't, I was, I, we started out and um, once again, it was one of those races where positioning was important because it's a very technical or not. Yeah, it was technical and steep single track to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I was in a good position. I was cleaning things that a lot of women weren't. And I was sitting in fourth and I was like, sweet. I was like, this is going to be a good day. And then as I'm entering like the first single track descent, I clip a tree and I'm just like, bam, straight on the ground. And I was like, what is happening? And so I get up and, um, you know, I think four women pass me because I, I, I get up, I like assess my body. My body's fine. My bike, like my brake lever has shifted in. Um, and so like, I went to go move it, but it was kind of tight. So I grabbed my multi-tool, my multi-tool explodes everywhere. I was like, oh my gosh. And so like, I'm on the verge of crying. Cause I was like, I was doing so well. Um, but I got it together. I got everything put back. It felt like it was like 20 minutes, but I think we looked and it was like three minutes, but it was still significant enough to be like, oh my goodness. So then I was just like, I was just playing catch up the whole race. And I caught this one woman and, um, I passed her and then she, I just couldn't shake her. I was like, how can I not shake this woman now? 
And at one point she's like, with all due respect, I think you need to eat because you're definitely fading. And that's when I got in my head and I was like, and I know she was being nice and she was just, she wasn't trying to be rude, but it definitely got in my head. Cause I was like, Oh crap, you're right. Maybe I am fading. I did put in a big effort. I should eat. I should, have I eaten yet? Have I done this? And then I started second guessing everything. And it was just, so that was hard. And I came to the second aid station and um, I was definitely in a negative mindset, which was a bummer. Um, but then, you know, something clicked and the last single track descent, I was, you know, I finally rode away from that woman and I was like, I was like, this single track is so awesome. And so I was just having so much fun. And there is like the people from the 30 race were on there and I was just like having fun passing them, even though a lot of the times they would like kind of freeze and like just take up the whole trail yeah. and I'd have to unclip, but it was still a lot of fun. And then I caught another woman too. So I caught two of the four that passed me um, and I ended up sixth for that day. So that was it was just a cool experience. It was good learning for me of like, Hey, make sure you check your tools before you hop on your bike. And, um, also just to like, not let other racers get in my head, even if they're trying to be nice, you know, just like, just not let them get in your head. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I was, I felt like I did a thousand pushups the next day after I finished the race. Cause I was like, my, I couldn't even like lift my water bottle. I was like tutoring some kid. And I was just like, Oh, I can't lift my bottle and I had to like scoot it towards me to drink my water. <laughs> yeah. But it's those, a cool. So those technical rides, I mean, they're so underestimating, you know, like you're like 40 miles. That's okay. That's, that's doable. And then you're 20 miles in and putting in like a bunch of Watts and then descending and then putting in a bunch of Watts and also maneuvering this bike around boulders and your focus too. It's so mentally draining mm-hmm. is shooting a gap with your tires with two razor blade rocks and then jumping, mm-hmm. bunny hopping another rock. You know, it's like reading a book for three and a half hours exactly. while pedaling another tree, you know, yeah, like, watch out yeah. for the trees. Yeah. <laughs> whiskey. I, uh, I know, I know exactly. I came in really close to a tree and just boom, hit it with my shoulder yeah. and the tree, you know, pretty lucky but <laughs> the tree definitely was more bruised than I was <laughs> but seriously like I thought I had to like hit I hit the tree and I was like oh and then did the assessment I'm still on yeah. my bike but I'm like it's my shoulder broken or because yeah. it's just adrenaline at that point you're like oh okay I'm good screw it we're good mm-hmm. um and I've totally had a multi-tool explode on me yeah, Which, it's like what's up with that? I like when like, to go take it out. It was everywhere. <laughs> the whole like every single um individual tool was off yeah. the mainframe. So you're just yep. having a bunch of metal. Yeah. And then you can't actually use the tool unless it's attached to the thing because you can't get that right leverage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I was you like have to get a pair of pliers. Yeah, to, yeah. to get that leverage. I've I've been through many tools. Um yeah. Crank Brothers. It's the it's the black one. I don't know if you had the same yeah, one, but no, I don't know. It was, we have TJ has like this drawer full of multi, like there's, I don't know, probably at least 30 multi tools in this drawer. And of course I picked the one and he's like, well, why didn't you pick, I have one that's like this big, you know, it's super tiny. It's perfect for, for racing. I was like, I don't know, man, I just picked a tool. <laughs> like, <it was> so- <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to get out of your head once you're in it yeah like did wait why what did she say she said you you might need food because you're bonking or something yeah she says i think you need to take some sugar we have an hour and a half climb talking about the windmill climb and um you you should eat you're bonking right now and i was like okay and like i don't i don't i just let it get in my head and i shouldn't have and then she, like, she passed me and then she just like left me in the dust. It was, it was devastating. And I just was so grumpy, but, <laughs> but I overcame it. Like, I was just like, you know, it, it's fine. Like, let's just keep moving forward, you know, after probably after an hour, but <laughs> um, oh my. yeah, that she knew what she was doing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. She's so polite, I, I'm sure. I know. And she, she was, um, but yeah, and that race is, it's a tricky too, because, you know, it used to be a, a grant or it used to be an epic rides race. And then the city took it over and it's the second year they're doing it and they're doing amazing things. But 
Um, and then, yeah, they're just doing incredible things. So it's kind of neat. They, they still have big payouts and, and all that, but there's still some learning curves, you know, like when we ran into the whole 30, like the 30 crew um, <laughs> going the same single track and yeah. um, little kids being terrified because it's, it's technical, you know, and they're doing the 15 and all of a sudden they're on these like super crazy technical trails, but um, I hope they keep doing it. Yeah. My goal is to do it next year for sure. Um, Grand Junction's two hours from my home hometown in Gunny. So, oh um, yeah, yeah. So it's like just, I mean, I could stay. We can make a whole vacation out of it. But yeah. I was in the same boat though. Everyone's like, "Oh, are you gonna do Grand Junction?" I didn't have the coffee trailer um, booked, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, "Sea otter, whiskey." No. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. TJ, TJ was so sweet. And he, uh, he's like, I'll go with you. Like he, he said he'd go with me. And so that was the main reason I did it. Cause I think going alone after two hard weekends would have been mentally even more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have to have that support system to be yeah. able to make these things work. So it made it a little easier, but it was like, we left Thursday and came back Saturday after the race. And then I was working cause I had to work on Monday on Sunday. Yeah, so uh- it was a quick turnaround and we were both pretty wrecked, but it was worth it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so the single track series, um, that's like Moab rocks, grand junction. And then mm-hmm. doesn't it go to California? Yeah. They do Downeyville and then they do a race in Canada, I believe. Dang. So, um, and it's all that same kind of style of just like nice, like real single track races you know, yeah. where they're hard and they're long. Um, I think they qualified as a down country race is what they, the, their slogan is. So, um, yeah, it seems like it'd be a really cool thing, it, but it's also a lot of traveling. So as long as I can make that work, um, I think that'd be a good goal to do next year. Yeah, totally. That's always the hardest thing with this sport. You know, it's not like, um, I don't know, high school hockey where, your season is five months and the furthest you'll travel is four hours. It's like you travel all over the country, you know, to try to do these races and it's taxing. It It can be. Yeah. Taxing and not so great for your bank account. (laughs) It's so expensive. Yeah. And like, especially, you know, when you are trying, you're racing professional people who literally get paid to do exactly what you're doing. I'm sure there's no expenses that they have to pay for. They get paid to train and, you know, the sacrifice that, you know, you have to make and me too, to at least try to compete with these people that literally they've made a life out of and Mm -hmm. to try to stay on wheels. It's, it's really hard. And especially, you know, I, I got a new baby girl and like, it is, it is hard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. And, you know, and there's always that dream, right? Well, maybe I could just be, I could be one of those people that only ride my bike, but I don't think I'd like that. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's great to be able to, to be paid to race and train and everything, but I'd still want to be able to tutor and, and have another purpose in my life as well. Um, yeah. It's, it's really inspiring just to be able to work with these kids all the time and, um, and same thing, you know, have, make sure I have enough time to work with, cause we coach Arizona Devo. So make sure I have yeah. time to be, to be with those kids uh, or those riders and racers. And then as well as being here in Prescott during the fall season, cause I've been working with the Prescott high school mountain bike team. And that's, that's a blast too. Yeah. You know, so it's like all these different things where, yeah, it'd be, it'd be so cool to be a paid athlete, but it also, I don't know, I'd still want to be able to do all my other stuff as well. You yeah. Know? But I think, you know, on devil's contrary, I think you would only have more motivation to pursue things that are valuable to life when you are a paid professional athlete, because that's one stress that is alleviated is the stress of the finances to do what you love to do. Um, Cause that's, you know, something I've been thinking about, like, religiously almost like what if I was paid to do this my motivations would be to 
give back to the kids more, um, to let go of something that's not valuable in my life. Like some, sometimes the business, you know, like, or you like things that you have to like things that life you need to do like business, make money. Um, (laughs) that might not be so fulfilling, but if you can have, you know, kind of get income for being a professional athlete will allow you to spread that, um, passion furthermore, at least in my life and everyone's different, but you know, it's just, there's more motivation to race and train. And you're like, ah, it's, is it worth it? What am I doing this for? You know, why am I on my bike for three hours? Like, and I'm doing (laughs) intervals. Like this isn't like, it's fun for me, but on paper, it's like, that's, that looks like it sucks, but yeah, definitely. I think my family thinks I'm a little cuckoo sometimes because they're like, you're going to go do what? You're going to go ride your bike. Why? (laughs) For how long? Um, And so you're right. There would be a, a kind of a, a neat thing behind being paid to do it, you know, yes. um, yeah. a little bit more motivation or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, it's just, and also though, um, to your point, it might, it is also nice to have the freedom to choose what you as an athlete want to do. Like mm-hmm. you, I mean, if you have a contract, there might be non-negotiables, that you're like, well, I don't want to go to Kansas and race unbound gravel. You <laughs> exactly. know? I really don't want to do a 200 mile race. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do Leadville 100. You know, it's like, but we're paying you to do it. So you got to go and do it. It's like, that could be stressful, you know, because it, it's just, it, you don't want to turn it, turn a passion into um, work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fine, it's definitely a fine line. And, and it's something that I think a lot about because, you know, teachers always ask me, well, what do you want with cycling? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Really? Like, I, I like winning. I like being fast. I like having fun. I like being able to do what I want. But I also, I wouldn't hate to have a little bit more support. <laughs> I wouldn't hate for someone to pay me like, yeah, we'll we'll pay your entry fee or yeah, we'll pay you to go to uh, Pennsylvania for nationals. We'll pay you, we'll, we'll buy your tickets and all that stuff. You know, I wouldn't hate that. Um, no. but it's like, what sacrifices are you willing to make for it? So yeah. that's something I'm, I'm still learning. Cause I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. So. And same. And how long has this journey been for you? Like the racing career? Um, I don't know. It's kind of tricky. Cause I feel I I've been racing for a while. Um, I was racing, let's see, I didn't get a coach until maybe 2018. I had Adam Cornette um, coach me from from bike ramp. And it was kind of neat, like we barter, it was a barter system. So he coached me for free babysitting. So I would babysit his kid um, anytime he wanted me to basically. And he coached me. And it was a great, it was a great thing, but it was really hard to progress in the sport if, if it was just like a side thing. Um, I couldn't, I could never really figure it out with, with teaching and training and traveling and all that. Cause it's, you're a math teacher. You can't just take a week off and go and, and race. Like your kids would be, my kids would be so far behind. And so like, it was, so I did a lot of like local races and like the NBAA series where it's like my premier stuff. And, um, and then I would say, you know, just like everyone else in 2020, my life got crazy. And I was like, I'm never going to race my bike again, ever. I'm never going to do it. And then I met TJ and I was just like slowly started like, okay, I kind of like riding. Yeah. I kind of like racing. And then, um, so I raced a little bit more again in late 2021. And then in 2022, I did my first UCI event as in the professional field, in the pro field. Cause I was, it was the soldier hollow race. And I was like, uh, maybe I'll just sign up for cat one women. Um, and then I ended up just applying for it. Um, sorry, sorry. I have a noisy cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I ended up applying or going for it as the professional side and I had a lot of fun. So 2021 was the first time I've ever done like a professional event. And then from there or a professional UCI event, I did the whiskey um, once in the professional in 2019 and then, um, went from there. So it's been kind of a journey, but a very slow journey, I guess you would say. Yeah. And that's good. Uh, It's good though. You can at least take those steps to see what you like. 
and to actually see if you like it mm-hmm. and you did like it. So now you're kind of pursuing, um, pursuing it deeper because you like to race, you like to be fast. I think um, a lot of the listeners and me can relate. You know, I don't get paid. A lot of the listeners don't get paid to do it. We still do it. You know, it's so fun to be competitive. It's so fun to set goals. And what's so cool about cycling, and I'm sure you can relate, is like when there's an event on the schedule, it's so motivating to like, okay, well, I have to train. I have to get healthy. I have to eat well, hydrate well, think well. You know, it's just like this whole um, embodiment of just trying to be an athlete, you know, no matter what category you're signing up for, whether you're pro or cat three or beginner, it's so, you know, everyone kind of get embodies like an athlete, like, oh, I got a race and I'm going to do good. You know, it's just like Mm -hmm. this sport and for kids to like have an outlet to, I mean, man, not go smoke dope with their friends, (laughs) right? right? Like, like, I've been there. I was 16. But if I had this outlet, you know, that was like, your body will feel the consequences. Like with football or baseball, it's like, you can smoke as much dope or whatever, (laughs) drink whatever, you you know, you're not going to see a difference. But you change a lifestyle habit and and then you go ride for three hours. Like, have you ever ridden after four beers? It's like, hell, you know? Like, so, why, yeah, exactly. Like, why did yeah. I do this to myself? Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it, it just creates a, an embodiment of of health and wellness, you know, to to do good, you know, because it's all, what, you know, we're trying to do. Um, but I'm going to, yeah, and I've also, I'm super new to the sport as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's completely just taken over my my life in the, in the best way possible, you know? And yeah, like you said, it's something that's healthy and exciting. You know, you, you choose, not only are you getting fit and exercising, but you also make conscious decisions to eat better, to not drink, to do these, to, to go to bed early and to sleep well, take care of yourself. Um, because you can't function. You can't, you can't ride your bike for, you know, six hours. If you, stay out all night partying or, you know, with your friends or something like that. Um, and it's, and it's also a cool sport that we can do this and get started at a later age. You know, um, I was talking to my aunt uncle in the summer and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be up and coming. And my uncle goes, you can be up and coming at 32. I was like, yes, (laughs) yes, you can. (laughs) You can actually, you know, and that's what, It's so cool. And the, a lot of the women I race, I mean, it's interesting to look at the men versus the women. Women are all in their late 20s to not all, but a lot of them are in their late 20s to early 30s that I'm personally racing against. Um, and it's really it's kind of cool, you know, but then you go look at the men's category and they're all like, like early 20s. And then you have Brian Motter who just crushes it. You know, he's yeah. gets top 10 at the whiskey. Um, but it's just a neat a cool sport that you can do forever, you know, mm-hmm. whether we may not race forever, but just be able to ride your bike and have fun and be outdoors unplug. It's, it's the best feeling. Yeah. We didn't even touch on that. Like the bike is literally an outlet to get into the back country so fast. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's so many pros cons. Yeah. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not cheap. That's for sure. No. It's not. I just, I, I just got on the computer like earlier this afternoon because um, the NBAA has the USAC state champs. Yep, this weekend. Which, I've never done a USA cycling um, event. Yeah. So like, I have to get a license for some reason, um, and it's like 110 bucks for the pro <laughs> category. I'm like, okay, well, that mm-hmm. sucks. And then I got to sign up for the event. I'm like, well, maybe that would just motivate you to do more USA cycling events because it's for a whole year. So your license will be for the whole year. So maybe just pick one or two others so that it makes your license worth it. Cause that's the same way, you know, I already, I hold a license just because in order to do like the UCI events, you have to have one. 
-hmm. but it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. You're like, and every year, and I know it seems like, oh, it's just a hundred dollars or 110, but I don't know. It always seems to come up at the worst times. You're like, ah, oh, I got to do it again. Yeah, well, then 110 bucks before you have to purchase an event. Yeah. So now you're up to like 180, 200. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. What are we doing? But it's like, but I also kind of want a state championship jersey. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it, it's, yeah, it's worth it. You know, it, I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like, it's like paying for a water park, you know? Mm -hmm. like you have to pay an annual fee to get a free pass to go <laughs> play whenever uh -huh. you want at any time you want and yeah, uh, explore your playground which is in here in Arizona you're in Prescott I'm in Cottonwood I mean mm -hmm. we can ride our bike right over the mountain and high five at the top and then ride back home you know <laughs> I know it's so cool yeah yeah northern Arizona is amazing like that it's oh. so cool it's just and you, like, I never really understood, like, I mean, I'm from Colorado. I skied, I backcountry skied, I did all that stuff. So I was kind of born in the outdoor, like, you know, the hall pass of you buy a pass to play like a kayaking, oh, you buy a kayak, you get to play whenever you want. You buy a pair of skis and skins, you get to play whenever you want. It's like, I was kind of taught by my old man, like, yeah, you, you, you purchase the toy, but you don't have to purchase a pass it's all free. Like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And so, but until cycling, the adventure, I think that isn't everyone. There's always some sort of an adventure seeker inside everyone, you know, whether it's on a computer or outside, but that's why like Indiana Jones is so captivating for everyone. It's like, Oh, he's on <laughs> this crazy adventure. But it's like, yeah. every time I get like bags ready, like my four liter pack, two water bottles, electrolytes in one, multi-tool you know I'm about to go on this like adventure um yeah. but you never know what you're going to come and see and like you never know how the body's going to react and overcoming adversity and it's just you learn so much on even a three or four hour ride that mm -hmm. you just wouldn't learn anywhere else you know so yeah we just really went on a tangent about cycling but it's just so cool you know just it's yeah. expensive it, it, but yeah. worth it's it just, it's so worth it yeah mm -hmm. um but overall huge huge congrats on whiskey like Thanks. yeah it's huge and i mean um yeah i'm excited to see what you're going to be doing here this year next year um especially when that mental barrier is broken yeah just hopefully it's broken more often than not is the goal this yeah. year right so yeah and every year builds on the next so you know hopefully my body will adapt to the demands I'm taking it this year. So then I could take it even higher next year. Mm -hmm. And so every year it's going to ideally, I'm hoping get better and better for yeah. me um, that's, mentally and physically. So. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about uh, endurance sports. Like you mm -hmm. said, you're an up and coming at 32. That's so <laughs> young, by the way, you know, it's, but just imagine when you're 40, you know, yeah. you're still, you're still building endurance mm -hmm. and i mean i know guys who are 58 and still kicking ass yeah that are faster than the 18 year old 20 year olds that we race you know it's just uh you, like you said yeah it's like these buildings you're just building you're digging a well you know the deeper you dig the bigger the fitness is and it's those brutal days that make you fitter which kind of sucks brutal days and then the rest days after it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and that's what's cool about kind of transitioning from teaching to tutoring mm -hmm. is I was going to say it's like a mental and for your nervous system and everything I mean to to take on so much energy from your students every single day mm -hmm. um, even though you might not be like physically moving that's a lot I mean I just yeah. try to figure out the USA cycling uh thing and that took all my energy now I got to do <laughs> intervals I'm like ah oh. it's it's there's so much that goes into rest I think that you know we don't really talk about or think about it's mm -hmm. just how what's your mind doing when you're laying on the couch mm -hmm. if it's always like do, 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 it's just sucking energy yeah exactly you know even when I was resting when I was teaching I was probably still thinking about so and so and you know is his 
you know, is, is he getting his homework done? Is he getting um, a good meal tonight? Or, you know, like you, you, you take these kids to heart and you're like, they're like your children for a whole year. And, you know, you just take on all their burdens and, and everything and their energy, like you said, their energy. And it's just, you may be, I may be sitting there or something, but it's just like, you'd come home from a day of teaching and be like, oh my gosh, which I think is why I'd always do my workouts before. Yeah. Like you said, like, or now you're like, oh man, now I got to do intervals. Like at least I got my workout done before, but it didn't leave much time for rest. So. Yeah. Which it's always good to get your exercise in before. Like yesterday I got up at six. No, five thirty, and got on my bike by six. Yeah, best day ever. Yeah, you know, like it's done with so my run. Yeah, talking about like biking and being out in the woods is like there's something even more magical about like waking up and being being awake and active and out there before the majority and, of the population. You know, yeah, I'm sure people driving to work with their coffees were just like oh, lunatic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I just made them mad. Like yeah, <laughs> just just by existing on your bike, they're mad. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> why is that person so happy right now? <laughs> God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but Aaron, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on today. And um, is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, no, I think I think we got it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but I guess if anyone needs a tutor, I should give myself a shout out that yes. I do online and in-person tutoring. So um, anywhere in know. anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, All right. Well, yeah. And I'll, I'll uh, after get that information. So if you are a student and you have ADHD or you're struggling in school, hit up Aaron or let your parent know to hit up Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Because we all need a good tutor. <laughs>